0: Registration is open for the Tolaris partner summit happening July 31st to August 2nd at the Gaylord Texan resort. Come and get the most current information on industry and technology trends at the pinnacle education event of the year. We're going to have three general sessions, 40 educational breakouts, a two day trade show over 118 suppliers, a technology demo center, two award shows, a 5k run, and of course some parties to remember. We're excited to welcome as a keynote, Josh Linkner, an inspiring entrepreneur who built and sold five tech companies. Yes, five tech companies. He also became a New York Times bestselling author, created over 10,000 jobs, helped launch over a hundred startups and wait for it, created over $1 billion of investor returns. Josh will be teaching us his breakthrough innovation framework and how every problem can be solved and every opportunity seized. We're also excited to hear from Alan Stein Jr. Alan has learned from top leaders and coaches and then worked as a performance coach for some of the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Kobe Bryant. He takes those lessons learned and then will teach you how to achieve more from your sales efforts more sales revenue, more team cohesion more loyal customers. You can achieve more by executing the basics consistently. Go to talaris.com slash PS to learn more and register. Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of sales engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. everybody welcome back to another episode today we are talking cloud and more importantly we're talking about three ways that you can help your customer with kubernetes and you may not know what that is yet uh but we're going to get into it and we're going to break it down and more importantly we got jeff Deverter, chief technology evangelist from rackspace on with us today jeff thanks for joining man
1: josh i am honored to be here thanks so much for the invitation
0: Jeff, uh, I, I always like
1: to kick this off with a little bit of background
0: for anybody that doesn't know you. Maybe it's blackmail that we could use against you later. But uh, later. I, I I love to just kind of hear how everybody got into this space. Some people knew they wanted to be in tech from day one. Uh, last guy I just talked to was a boat mechanic and didn't love that. And
1: and here we are now. So, so fill us in for you. How did you get here? Well, then maybe this one will be a first for you if we're going to go way, way back to the very beginning. So um, let's go back to high school. So I grew up uh, in uh, in a in a family where, you know, the dad could still have one career for forty something years, and he was an IBMer through and through. First job out of the Navy, IBM. Last last thing he did before he retired, still working for IBM, and uh, had an amazing career. Did some incredible stuff. He started as uh, the guy who would go in and. Fix the cooling systems for the big tape drive systems that was storage back in the whenever that was early sixties, and um, and so needless to say technology was just a part whatever it was was part of my growing up. And uh, but I was also into music, and so uh, as a you know a middle schooler, high schooler, thinking what do I do? Do I go get into computers? Do I do I try to do something in music? And um, so I was a senior in high school. We'd been moved down to Austin, Texas, and I go into as a senior, whatever advanced placement computer science was in those days, on a green screen, and I sit down in the fall and I think, can't stare at that screen for the rest of my life. That's green, <laughs> and that is boring. And so, uh, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna make a run at this music thing. I had a smart. Guitar teacher, he said, Jeff, you should really think about the technical side of, of music, because maybe you're not the best guitar player in the world. <laughs> so I went in to learn how to be a recording studio engineer and producer. That was that was going to be the job. And ended up down in Houston, Texas, intern at the studio, grow, you know, kind of grow up inside of this studio, uh, get married along the way, end up buying this recording studio. And the uh, first thing I do when I buy a recording studio is put in a computer network. Why not? Harken back to my father, who's still working for IBM, excuse me, and OS2 warp is around in these days and so i put in this a couple couple computers and network and i think networking is sort of fun I, I think i could do this sort of thing if i didn't ha- have this other day job so i go on and do music for a number of years uh, i start having kids with the wife and realize a career in music is really hard even mm-hmm. even if it's not you know you're not the musician or the other aspects of it so i think i'm making a flip and uh and so Look back and get into all the nuts and bolts of it, but effectively cross-train, go get into uh, get my Microsoft certifications, and um, so I'm still in. Where was I working? I'm still in Houston, uh, and that's when we moved over here to San Antonio. Went to work for EDS, and uh, and off I went. Uh, it's been com- computers ever since, until about the, p- the past five years, when all this media stuff now has intersected back into my day job, and uh, sure has come in handy.
0: Love it. Uh, I love the background. Uh, I I do love a a good, I mean, I thought it was gonna be linear, it was linear and then it came back. So no, I I love it. Um, I think it's great stuff. Uh, Okay, so so tell us a little bit about as we kind of kick this off your role at rackspace and then really get into uh, you know a lot of people have known you as an infrastructure provider mm-hmm. there's so much more that you guys do than that that we lean on you on and partners lean on you for but first just tell us a little bit about your role
1: rackspace and then you know define for us your cloud and kubernetes practice there i'd be happy to so you know that that first thing that you ever do is the thing you're known for for the rest of your life <laughs> and uh, you know it's um it's what happens at every family reunion when you go back, oh, you're the guy who did the dumb thing when you were four years old. And that's the only thing they remember you for. Well, you know, Rackspace, well, you, actually your first question, what's my job? So chief technology evangelist. So I, I started at Rackspace in 2008 and, and I came to Rackspace to start a practice around running the infrastructure for Microsoft SharePoint servers. I had been a SharePoint architect working at different financial services firms and I uh, and, uh, had a good friend who was running one of the main lines of businesses uh, here at Rackspace, and they were thinking about building a multi-tenant SharePoint environment, you might think of as Office 365 today, where they'd build the big farm in the sky of servers and sell off little bits, five and 10 and $15 at a, at a pop. And, uh, and I didn't know a lot about Rackspace at this point, but I learned more and realized, well, they've got great data centers, they're super smart people, uh, and they're the best at running Windows servers, of course, they did Linux, but that didn't help me in the Microsoft world mm-hmm. and SQL and Active Directory. And I thought, Windows, SQL and Active Directory, that sure sounds like the building blocks for everything needed for SharePoint. And so I came back and I said, well, what you want to do is wrong. What you should do is this thing. Take some of your people, take 10 of them and um, and put them in a room, teach them SharePoint and teach them how to do the hardest uh, things in, in managing SharePoint farms that can be done and uh, you'll 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 be known the world over for it and he said that's a great idea and you should come do that and i said no (laughs) (laughs) and then eventually got talked into it obviously and so came and built that as a business here and so but it was building on what rackspace did very well at this point and that was a managed services provider and that meant our managed hosting provider so that meant we, did, we had three core things. We had data centers, we had servers, and we had smart people. Now, we've gotten to a point where we've got over 7,000 of these smart people. We've got over 40 data centers all around the world, and I can't even begin to count the net, the amount of servers that we manage and maintain. Um, but, but that line of business still is alive and well. We see that private cloud business growing uh, pretty significantly, but we did something, if anyone's familiar with Rackspace or follows us in the news, that uh, we started talking about mid last year and we executed on and pulled the rip on the beginning of this year. And that was we really split our operating business into two pieces. And that was the piece that does all of the private cloudy stuff, still growing nicely, and all the stuff that does all of the public cloud things. And uh, and so you know back in the early teens, oh that was about twenty fifteen I think when we launched. But uh, you know we provided started providing services for AWS, then Azure, and then Google. We've risen to be among the largest resellers and service providers for each of those clouds globally. Um, but that brings lots of other technology along, and um, you know without giving too much away, and everything we're going to talk about, you know it, we, we look for other technologies to help companies kind of bridge the the gap of of um, of how to look at technology transformation and how it impacts the business in ways that are steps that don't cripple the business, uh, but give them, put them in a position to really be able to um uh to launch kind of media um I was say mediocritally I'm getting <laughs> overhead gold folks uh, <laughs> meteorically that's more important that's a more impressive word <laughs> um their business on the on on new technologies like Containers yeah. enabled by Kubernetes. So, so
0: walk us through. I mean, you have obviously seen a lot of evolution. I mean, that was when I first got my Fourier into AWS and, and Rackspace about that two thousand eight time yeah. where it was all all kind of coming out. And I, you know, you you've seen that evolution go from private cloud to now. Uh, you know, just from generally speaking, from a technology perspective to this idea of containers and Kubernetes. So, uh, yeah. for anybody that's not familiar, give us just a little primer on how do you see the world of what private cloud was to, what does Kubernetes bring to the table? Maybe just define that a little bit.
1: Uh, so uh, private cloud, let's define what we mean when we say, let's, let's put some some broad brush uh, terms around things. So the first would be, what do we mean when we say a cloud? A cloud is a collection of computing assets. Think of them as servers. Those servers can be, you know, maybe geared more towards compute, running running computation-y things, maybe geared towards storage. How do I store all the data that's getting computed over on the other thing? We have to manage stuff like automation, authentication, are people who they say they are. If this is a multi-tenant cloud, we have to have the delineation of tenants. There's all sorts of things that happen, including uh, Let's we'll just leave it at that. It, it, they do so much more, um, but a cloud handles all of that stuff. It is the orchestration layer, the security layer, the authentication layer, and then managing the assets of all the all the all of the technology that rides in there. So when we think about AWS, Azure, Google, fill in the blank for public cloud provider, they uh, utilize, generally speaking, their own. Um, their own technology to handle doing all of those things. And they do it for many, many companies all around the world. So they are a multi-tenant provider. They are not closed in that context, they'll let as many people in as possible. Well, those types of workloads in that type of an environment sometimes don't fit into a public cloud world. So now we start to think about, well, what is, maybe it's the definition of public cloud or private cloud. So when I say public, I'm gonna let lots of people in. If I say private, well, it's closed to a single company or a single community. And um, and so we think about private clouds as ones that, that have dedicated resources that are singularly focused, again, on an individual company, maybe in a community, but usually just a single company. And companies will oftentimes stand them up on their own, sometimes with help like us uh, from Rackspace, uh, to be able to do the things they need to do. Now we can get into a little bit later what workloads maybe fit more in a public cloud, maybe what fits better in a private cloud and the evolution of all these things. But it, it, all of this type of transformation makes you think about those applications and how they operate. So for instance, if I'm moving out into the public cloud, we often talk about, you know, are you doing a lift and shift? or are you gonna do a whole modernization? So lift and shift means effectively, everybody's workloads run predominantly in a virtual machine. You got VMware running somewhere, you got a bunch of little virtual machines running inside those hypervisors, and there's your applications running. So then that makes us think, do we run public or private? So let's say for a second, we're going public. Well, are we going to use all of the amazing capabilities that exist in AWS, let's say? Are we gonna go truly serverless? Are we gonna run Lambda functions? That's a lot of transformation. It's a lot of work. So a lot of people will take this kind of lift and shift or move and improve and then sort of transform. But it does require geographic changes, right? I have to leave where I was and I have to go to the region and the data center that I that I select inside of AWS. But then we think, is that really the best way to go? There are incremental steps and we're running under this construct of a of the delineation points of being the hypervisor or the server and then the virtual machine that runs in there. Well, there's another segmentation and that gets us into the topic of containers, where instead of containing at a virtual machine level an operating system and then everything that runs on that operating system, we segregate the operating system. Leave that alone for a minute. Let's just put into a container all of the assets that make either my whole application or even a subsection of my application run. And that creates these, these containers that sometimes do breed like bunnies and grow and get become end up with a lot of them. So we'll have to talk about orchestration <laughs> a little bit, but it allows us to contain them in a way that allows us to break these big monolithic applications up into smaller segments, allows us to get into microservices, and uh, and evolve our applications that way. I love it. Uh, all right, so title is Track,
0: three ways to, to help the customers modernize with Kubernetes. And I feel like you just covered one of those that I wanna call out. You talked about the transformation and that idea to transform as you have this giant monolithic application and the idea yeah. of now com- containers makes it easier
1: and more resilient for that application, fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And here's the one thing I didn't mention. Customers can start that transformation today, right where they are, on the infrastructure they already have. In fact, most developers, when they're, when they're working in a, in a containerized environment, are doing so right on their laptop. You can't see this, I'm typing on my laptop. Yeah. Uh, right on their laptop, in an environment that would, from a logistic point of view, Look just like what would become production, uh, which is really an important part of the whole development cycle. So they can start to be, and I would even say, be cloudy before they're actually in cloudy infrastructure.
0: Yeah, yeah fair, good point. All right. All right, so, so if point number one or way number one is breaking down the monolithic application, I want to, I want to call out. Let's just see if ROI is point number two. So you you laid down this kind of evolution where the operating system gets segmented away from being included in that whole package. And in that package in that container, I just have the application and its dependencies, which is a much lighter, uh, a much lighter package size. So talk to me about ROI. If I'm a customer Mm. and I'm trying to understand how do I think of in a sense like this modernization, you know, just generally speaking, ROI, is there a way that, that moving to containers and microservices transcends back to ROI?
1: Yeah, it should always, there should always be technical value. I mean, Josh, you and I get up in the morning because the technology is cool and it got better while we slept. So we get up for that. But a business can't. A business has to wake up and begin what it does every single day to continue to create the value that it set out to do when it came up with its mission and the thing that it does that that attracts customers to give them whatever that their, their money is. And so when we think about doing anything on the technology side, it either has to make us more efficient to save money, it either has to be more productive to make us more money, or it just has to make us more money and more money and more money. I mean, <laughs> even nonprofits make money. So so it has to. it can't be for the shiny new tech, it has to be because it's solving a problem. So my question really goes back to, you should always ask the question, in fact I think this is the 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 best thing to do when talking to customers is just say you know what are your business challenges what are what are the business opportunities that you have this year because in the past we could we could maybe stretch everything to sort of get back to technology but today in today's climate, based on all the transformation that happened in the in the teens, and based on all of the data that got moved into some form of cloud, and our do- and our expectation that technology is a part of solutions because of COVID, I do go back to that because everything became an app in COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, that technology is is it may not be the the savior of all those things, but it certainly is a segment of absolutely every opportunity or every challenge that a business is facing. So start there. What are you trying to do? Well, we're trying to get ready to move to the cloud, but we're not ready to go yet. Uh, But we do wanna start to get our developers thinking that way and start working on our applications. Containers are an amazing thing because containers are also astoundingly portable. And now I can, once I'm ready to choose cloud of choice, I can move those things into that cloud of choice. Fair. Move it here, move it private, move it Azure, move it GCP. It doesn't matter. It doesn't okay. care what it's surrounded with, right? It's, I, and it's pilot. not a binary decision because I could yeah. take, once I start to break my application up, I may choose that this one function that I've moved into a container, I may realize there's an as-a-service out there that can do it better, faster, cheaper than I can, and at a fraction of a penny per transaction, subscribe. Right. All right. So uh, I want to get
0: into the Rackspace specific offerings for a second. So if you think about us, the the, the engineering team, right? Mm. We get pulled into partner conversations, customer conversations, discoveries, and inevitably, everybody's at some sort of different investment cycle, buying cycle, business need, and we're trying to solve for a lot of, once we figure out what are we trying to solve for, um, there's commonalities there, but but often it's different, right? Some might be, we need help modernizing. Some might be, we're having resiliency issues. Another might be, we've lost some staffing. Um, so the the point is, sometimes we can't do a full rip and replace. Sometimes mm. it's just, I sunk these investments in, But I need help managing them. Maybe I don't even know what I have. Right. So, uh, you know, you guys had most people don't, uh, I think, come out with a great product early on that opened our eyes, you know, from the elastic engineering side, I think that just was huge. And so, uh, you know, walk me through, you mentioned how you've segmented the business from the private cloud side to the other side. What is there? in the portfolio of Rackspace offerings to help do something like a Kubernetes implementation? Do you support? Do you take over? Do you have tools? What does that
1: look like? Sure. So great question. So any sort of of major effort always starts with our advisory services capabilities. And advisory services, it's a fancy term for a conversation. Uh, along Protracted conversation, but it's us understanding the business climate, the business uh, drivers, the challenges, uh, what the goals are, and then aligning the right technology in and around what those those might be. And I love the fact that you call out there may be some some technico- technology investments that already exist. You got to sweat some of those that infrastructure out. That's absolutely acceptable, and you got to make smart, right decisions there. Um, but our our process starts with that advisory services. And then in any major uh, project that's going to happen in and around technology, there are really two types of services we'll talk about. And the first is a professional services engagement because we're going from a a was state to an to a new state. Uh, what what is the as is to the to the future state, and that is. The, that type of work is is usually time bound. We're going to be done by, you know, the 1st of August, whatever. The, I don't know, I'm making dates up now, mm-hmm. um, like a good consultant. Um, <laughs> so I'm, uh, So it's going to be time bound. It's usually going to be fixed price type of a stuff. So it's a time and materials based contract that you'd engage with because we can define what the difference looks like at the end. Uh, and then, and then off we go. And so that work is going to look like taking monolithic applications, recoding those, repackaging them into a container-based environment. Now, I'm, I, I I sort of wax a little poetic in in talking about, hey, these should just be we're we're, we're taking these this big application, we're breaking down into its component parts. So we're going to put those like parts into their own containers, which is great. But we still have to think about a lot of other elements uh inside of these these containerized environments and it's going to include things like how do i handle monitoring across all of the containers how do i how do i handle replication fault tolerance how do i handle security how do i handle logging across all of these in some cases thousands of containers could very easily become thousands of containers how do i um and those those sort of questions go on and on and every company who's going to going to adopt containers as a uh, technology they're going to use has to answer those those questions and and solve those things well what we've done at Rackspace is we've answered them all we've gone and found best of breed for all of those uh those different decisions so that when our developers go and start to work on breaking an application down or re- or writing an, an application to be container centric, um, we, know we're bu- we know we're building on a known platform, uh, one that we use to manage hundreds, thousands of different um, containerized customers. So it's the same technology that, across all of that stuff. We've taken it to scale. And we've got one key partner who helps us with all of that, even helps us m- um, for those workloads that need to move around from uh, from environment to environment. And that's a company called Platform9. and uh, And they really are an amazing company. Uh, to be able to help with that stuff in a very graphic and API-driven way. So there's a whole host of, of sundry work that you've got to figure out when breaking this stuff down. And that's the stuff that's built into our container uh, containerization services. And then I already mentioned the, the professional services piece, but once we do that work, a move into any environment like this, is adopting a mindset that there is going to be pretty much exponential technology transformation that's going to happen whether you're in public cloud or not i mean the container technology continues to evolve as well and so we don't look for just standard you know managed hosting care and feeding i'll patch i'll do these these sorts of things but really that you mentioned the product before elastic engineering so our elastic engineering services that have uh, container um, container specialties inside of it, you know, are doing all of the things that containers need to be healthy and uh, and also reading the tea leaves of what's happening to make sure that we are looking around the corner to make sure we're evolving that environment in a way that the application needs to to remain healthy and performant. All right. Good stuff.
0: Um, I love that offering. I love the modularity that it gives. Uh, and I think you painted a really good picture that no matter what scenario, there's a way that you guys can come in and help. So awesome stuff there. Um, Let's talk about for a second. I want to get get people understanding. Sometimes the customers don't know that they need help. And mm-hmm. you know, yes, uh, things come to us very um, very black and white, very binary. Sometimes if I need a provider that has this OEM, or I, you know, it isn't. People come to us and say help, help my customer design a solution, right? It's usually somebody's coming with some, some version of pain or some business initiative. And so sometimes our job in this is to get the customer to realize that they need help, right? We see where they're at. We see that how we could help their business modernize, become better than their competitors, turn IT into a profit center, generate revenue, that kind of stuff. But I'm just curious when you think about the move to Kubernetes, the move to containers, How do you help people really quantify or just realize that they need help? Because so many people are just going, no, I've been doing it this way and it's fine. Right.
1: Well, the way that I see that is, is I will see that a company will see the companies, you know, have opportunity for modernization. And sometimes it goes back to what you mentioned before, and that is, you know, hey, they've got some infrastructure and they need to sweat that out for a couple of years, but they really have an itch and they really have a need to modernize what they're doing. And most companies if if we were to say hey let's let's pull the rip cord right now and move you to the cloud well, depending on how much they have we could be talking about a year long project i mean we've had, now these we've had some extraordinarily long large customers that we've we've had to, i mean it's taken a year to get them moved uh, and that move is very much a lift and shift type of a move and they really didn't get an opportunity to to modernize much along the way and then it becomes this whole other other conversation but most companies look at this, their, their transformation of, I'm not transforming unless I go to the cloud. And that's so not true. The container, con, a, a move to containers not only allows you to move uh, technically into a more modern environment that allows your infrastructure to be so much more efficient uh, and performant, so you can get more longevity out of it, but it also allows you to take, if you've got your own development staff, your own system staff, you actually start to give them a path towards a more interesting technology career, uh, meaning, hey, we don't need you to just be a star Windows or Linux tech anymore. We need you to become a tech, uh, a containers expert. This is a new thing. This is going to keep them uh, engaged, ideally in in their role. You know, Josh, we do these these surveys uh, every quarter, and we go out and we ask over fourteen hundred different uh, IT executives in 10 different countries, uh, all sorts of different questions. But I ask them a consistent one almost every time, and that is what are the biggest challenges you and your organization are facing? And either one or in position one or position two, every quarter for the past year has been the the challenge of attracting and retaining the right staff. And unless you're giving folks compelling work to do, they're gonna get bored, they're gonna go walk away. So give them something interesting to do. Teach them, get them into interested in, in what it means to be part of this container job. But even more than that, especially if you've got your own development staff, uh, the move to containers is a move into an environment that can be much more DevOpsy. In other words, we you can still be agile in a VM-based world, but if you can now get into a true DevOps world and remember when we broke that that breaking those applications down into those component parts that means we can now start to update those individual component parts individually and a testing cycle doesn't have to take 90 days we can now test the one module that we're updating and uh and so consequently um, not only are you upgrading your infrastructure getting more longevity out of your infrastructure you can ride it out a little bit longer um, you can uh, give your your folks more interesting work to uh, to be a part of, and you can upskill your environment, uh, your your working staff to be more DevOps centric. And this is absolutely what they're going to need once you get truly into a, a cloud first world. Should that be a place where that application eventually moves?
0: Love it. Uh, good good one. I think that brings us in uh, reason number three. So okay, so good stuff, and I think that was really reason number three um one of the great ways to help them modernize so uh, you know as we get towards the end here i want to hear an example you know we talked about you've seen monolithic you've seen prem you've seen some people maybe in cloud a little bit already but walk me through a little bit of an example you know what did you walk into what were you told the problem was or the thing they were trying to solve for and 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 you know what what services did rackspace bring to the table to help put them in a better spot, modernize them, whatever it is, right? Walk yeah. us through an example of that.
1: Sure, uh, can't give a uh, can't give the customer name out, but let's talk healthcare for a second. So uh, we were working with a large healthcare system in the southeast, and and their challenge was not unlike a lot of companies, and that was they really started to look at. Is is our value really in especially in healthcare? I mean, the margins are just they're they're razor thin to start with and they're just going down. Um and so they're looking at all the costs. And so, and so finally, yeah, you know, we'd had conversations with folks like this in the past and and it always went down to you wanna charge how much for a server? And and the brain would always go, you want to charge how much for a server? as opposed to thinking, when I sell you that server in a Rackspace data center, it's coming with power, it's coming with, in a room, it's coming with all the internet that it needs, it's coming with cooling, it's coming with smart people to manage it, with backups, with security, all of those things. So once you get into an honest conversation about that, and they say, look, we need to cut our costs. here's what, and you say, now truly bring me the cost. I wanna know personnel, I wanna know electrical, I wanna know all the things and when they come to you honestly with that stuff and we can really put something on the table that puts them in an environment uh, that allows them to one, save some money. That was this was this company's really primary goal. Um, But they also had the desire to start to modernize like what we're talking about here. And so what we built for them was what we call a modern private cloud, one that brings automation, one that brings a control plane in front of it. So so the the systems people that they do have still have a web interface where they can manage some of the things that they need to. They don't always have to rely on a Rackspace tech or putting a ticket in somewhere. We're certainly available for all of that stuff, but they do have an element of self-service available to them. But we also put in the framework for the container environment so that they would be able to start to modernize those applications. We took a few of them for them and started with that uh, through a professional services engagement as well. So we put in everything that was needed on the storage side, everything that was needed on the compute side, all of the networking gear, as well as all the security to ensure that all of that stayed safe and sound. We're talking healthcare, that really matters. And, uh, And put them in an environment where they didn't have to care and feed all of that stuff, where we were able to help modernize some of their applications and really set them up for future growth. Love it. Good stuff. All right, kind of puts a bow on everything. Uh, all right, final final thought here
0: uh, as we get into this. Pull out your crystal ball. Uh, I, I think you've laid out a good perspective of evolution in mm-hmm. this cloud space modernization, uh, and you know, talking about what's next, right, with Kubernetes. So curious from your perspective, you know, if partners aren't comfortable talking about this, um, what are just a couple quick questions? that you would encourage them to go ask to drop this out. And then we're gonna get your perspective on uh, your crystal ball as the future of where this goes.
1: Right, I, start, I mentioned some of this earlier and that was don't start with a technical question. Start with, you know, what are the opportunities? What are the challenges in the business this year? You know, you know where are you looking to cut costs? Everyone's looking to cut costs. Ask that question. Um, <laughs> ask about what their their cloud plans are. And by the way, this is the most important one. When somebody says, oh, don't talk to me about cloud, I'm, I'm already in cloud. If you've been paying attention the whole time, and if you have already made it to the end of this podcast with us, then you've already heard the fact that a move to the cloud is one that never changes in evolution. So a first step into the cloud is wonderful. Compliment them on that move to the cloud. Maybe you could ask them at that point, Tell me how you're integrating that and your on-premises stuff because they still do have that. Maybe you could ask how they're securing that in, that information. There are a hundred questions you could ask around that because all of that environment. Have they transformed into a serverless environment? Are they considering containers? And at that point, especially if you rapid fire a few of them, they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to learn more about that, and then and then say, great, we'll set up a meeting, and then that's when you you you, you call up your. Your, your partner advisor over here at Rackspace. And we bring the smartest people in the world to the call and do all the hard lifting and you buy lunch.
0: <laughs> Love it. All right, what's next? If you look 12 months out, is it, we get a lot of containers, we get container sprawl, we need help orchestrating, yeah. we go to serverless. What If the partners are out having some of these conversations over the next 12 months, is there any other technologies coming down the line that you want them to prepare for to be able to understand if they hear?
1: You know, one that we really haven't talked about, Josh, uh, much is is data, because uh, and in the past I probably wouldn't have brought this up as much, but there has been so much press and so much attention on ChatGPT, GPT because it is pretty cool and it is pretty amazing and it's so much fun to play with. And maybe or maybe not, all of my LinkedIn posts this year have been written with it. <laughs> we'll figure that out later in the year. But um, but it but but if that comes up in conversation engage in that conversation because one of the things that has to happen if somebody is i think your follow-up question then is how are you thinking about how ai or ml could impact your business engage in that what if a little bit hey what you know we do this thing and wouldn't it be better if if it could help answer these questions i don't know, I'm making up stuff up yeah. now. but um but you said then you can say the question well, you know what has to work right, what has to be structured well before any of that can work, and that's data. Let's talk a little bit about your data estate. You know, Josh, we would think about the future and what it holds technically. I almost wish we could push pause on where technology is today because we're just scratching the surface. In a lot of my presentations, I, I say the phrase that the cloud is infinite. Josh, you and I are technology people. You know that the cloud isn't infinite. It isn't, it is not infinite in capability or capacity. There are finite limits out there. Yeah. But right now, the business world is not asking enough of it. There's so much more that can be done. The infin- the infrastructure you have in your data center could probably be considered that to some degree. But there's so much more that can be done with what exists today. And so what I would encourage you to do. And, uh, and Rackspace loves to have these conversations with customers is say, is once you 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 seed these questions with, with your customers and get them interested, this chat GPT stuff, maybe some data stuff, maybe some container stuff. Now you've got a lot of topics out there. You say, have you ever considered what the art of the possible might be in your industry, in your business mm. with what you have today? Well, Rackspace would love to come and have that conversation with you for a whole afternoon. We'll bring all the smart people, it won't cost you a cent. And you're going to find five opportunities in that. I love it. Okay.
0: That's it. We put a bow on it. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on and doing this. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. I think you painted a great picture of Rackspace, modernization, what's coming. Uh, awesome stuff, man. Awesome. Josh, thanks so much for having me on. This is a great conversation. Okay. Well, everybody, that wraps us up. I'm your host, Josh Lapresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Solaris, Jeff Verder, Chief Technology Evangelist at Rackspace. Until next time, this has been the next Little Biz Tech Podcast. Level BizTech has been a production of Tolaris Studio 19.
1: Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.